Well, we're going to go into our time of teaching here now. And we're continuing our dialogue around the Holy Spirit, around that third person of the Trinity, and looking at the power and the presence, looking at the ministry and the majesty of the Spirit that dwells within us, that works in us, that works through us. And I hope that this has been a wonderful journey and dialogue as we've just We've been looking at these beautiful pictures, these beautiful metaphors that we find in God's word. And this is the spirit describing himself to us so we can get a better understanding of who he is, of what his purpose is. Now, and and because of over these past few weeks and months, we've come to learn that eternal and internal change it's really not a matter of self-will. It's not something we can just self-will ourselves, but it's actually a matter of spirit empowerment. And you know what? We experienced that spirit empowerment here last week. If you were able to be with us in person, man, the spirit was here. He was working, and we saw amazing things take place. We saw people dedicating and committing themselves to allow the Spirit to not only just fill them, but, but to change them, to give them a stronger desire. We were pleading and asking for God to start revival and, and to start it within us, right? And we had that amazing opportunity just to see the outpouring and the flowing of the Spirit. Now, that change in lives last week had nothing to do with their self-will or, or their intellect or whatever strengths they had. That was a spiritual empowerment done by the Holy Spirit. See, that real and lasting change in the human heart that spills into society is not the consequence of a different strategy that a church may have or a different policy or how big our budget might be, but really lasting change in which I hope and I desire and I pray that we all crave. It's actually a gift from the Spirit. It's a gift from the Spirit. It's a supernatural work of God in the lives of his children. And for this reason, we treasure these opportunities that we have to to come to a deeper understanding of the most important relationship that we will have on earth. And that is the one with the presence of divinity on this planet. The most important relationship we have on this planet is the Holy Spirit. These discussions of the Spirit we've had over these last couple months have stirred many comments Many thoughts and even enthusiasm. We are looking, like I said, at these different pictures that the Bible gives us. And we've seen such metaphors and pictures as him being described as the wind or the anointing oil or the fire. And all of these are really glimpses into this beautiful, ongoing, ever-creating work of the Spirit. And sometimes, I think sometimes we get trapped into thinking of this past tense God. Well, God, I know you were like this back then, and, or we get trapped in the future tense God. Well, God, I know that you're going to be like this in the future. And, and then we start thinking, well, where's the present tense God? And we're not thinking about the present tense God. We're thinking about the past tense. We're thinking about the future tense God. But, 
where's our present tense God in all this? And the present tense God is actually found in the work of the Holy Spirit. This delightful work of the Spirit is called revival. And we looked at that last week. He revives us. He blows breath on bones. He changes lives. And last week, I shared a story on revival of a country preacher who went outside so hungry for revival that he drew a circle 10 feet in diameter, stood in the center of it, and said, Lord, bring revival. And begin with everyone standing in this circle. Change always begins when change begins with me. That's when change starts to happen. It's when it begins in you, when it begins in me, when it begins in us individually. And it was so powerful to see people standing in circles and saying, Lord, start, I, I desire revival and begin with me. It's that prayer and it's that cry, Lord, do it again. Do it again and do it in me. Do it in this church. I came across a pastor who, who said this on a Sunday, and, and I love what he said. And it's thought-provoking. It, it's wonderful. He said, we do not know why God has chosen to bless our church in such a manner these days. But, he says, we are happy to be the host of his presence. I love what he means. I love what that describes, right? We host his presence and allow every single Sunday as we come that we, we desire to be the host of his presence. Can you think of a better description of the role of the church than to host the presence of the living God? Can you think of a greater prayer that we as a church could pray for us, that we would be a place that 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 God, you so would choose to bless with your presence. See, we as Christians, we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells within us. After we said yes to Jesus, he chose to make you his dwelling place. And because we host the Spirit, we carry the Spirit with us wherever we go, into our workplaces, into the bank, into our neighborhoods, maybe even into our homes. And may the Lord allow us to host His holiness here. I've went to seminars, I've read books, I've listened to podcasts about how to grow a church. I think every single pastor... Probably the, one of the biggest topics that they read about, listen about, go and learn about is how to grow a church. And sure, yes, I've probably tried some of them here. I probably have. You know, there's these, these, it's these items that, as pastors, you know, you're almost being bombarded with all these strategies and all these ways that you can grow the church. And it's everything from a church will grow if you have the right sanctuary, uh, your church will go if your preacher has tight jeans and tattoos. 
I don't, thankfully, I don't wear, tattoo, I don't wear tight jeans. No tattoos yet. You know, you, you grow a church if you have loud music. You grow a church if you have soft music. But you know what? You know what? I think, I think, well, I know. It's all about the presence of the living God. That's what grows churches. It has nothing to do with programs. It has nothing to do with presentations and putting on shows and, and doing all that. It has everything to do with the living God. It has everything to do with the Spirit. And if it is our desire and more importantly, our prayer every single Sunday say, and say, Lord, we, we want to be the hosts of your presence here today. And if that's our heart, God will grow this church. What matters and what people need these days more than anything is they need to encounter something superficial. Su not superficial, but supernatural. And too many times, we as leadership and, and churches across the globe look for those superficial things that we think people want, but really what they want is they want something supernatural. And it's about us inviting the Holy Spirit into our, into our presence. It's by inviting um, the Holy Spirit to come and just allow us to be his host. Because I said last week, the Holy Spirit only goes where he's invited. So we invite him. We welcome him here every single week. And as that happens, you know what? Sometimes disruptive things might happen. Maybe a bit messy and not, it's, and not always tidy. And that tells them there is a good God coming down and blessing people still today. And don't we aspire for that as individuals and as a church? You know, that is the gift, the consequence of a place where the spirit of Jesus is welcome. May we be a host to the spirit. And as we look at how the spirit blesses his church, we turn, to the, we turn the page on one of the most beautiful metaphors of the Holy Spirit. And that is this. He is our intercessor. He is our advocate. He speaks for us. It's this it's this idea that he has this role of being our intercessor. He intercedes, he speaks for us in the presence of God. And we find this teaching in Romans chapter 8. And that's where we're going to be today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. And some call this chapter one of the greatest chapters that we can that we find and that we can read and that we can study in the Bible. It is so full of richness and depth. And, and you see the Spirit all over this chapter. So Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 26, and we see, we see this metaphor, we see this picture, and it says this, also the Spirit helps us with our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we should. And I wonder how many of you have experienced that. You're praying, you want to pray, but you just don't know what to pray. You don't know, you don't know, you don't have the words to express what's in your heart. 
And if that's you, here's the good news. But it says the Spirit himself does what speaks to God for us. Even begs God for us with deep feelings that words cannot explain. God can see what is in people's hearts and he knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit speaks to God for his people in the way God wants. Another trans that was from a different another translation says it this way. Um, in in verse 26, it says, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with what? With groans that words cannot express. Do you know the groans of the heart? It's an interesting way to put it. Do you know the groans of the heart? There's a a cancer patient in the middle of the night in the ICU. She awakens in her bed. She rolls her head to the side, and there's her faithful husband still sitting in that recliner. TV still on, but it's muted as he's trying to be respectful. She knows it's night, but she doesn't know the time. She knows the month, but she doesn't know the day. Her days are a blur of meds and treatment and pain. The meds, they numb her mind. The bed numbs her back. She tries to pray. She tries. She tries to pray. But through that fog, she can hardly collect her thoughts. And the best she can offer is this wordless, this wordless sigh. Do you know the groans of the heart? The father goes into his daughter's bedroom. She's not there. The bed is empty. The struggle is real. The pain is hurtful. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to see his daughter hurting and struggling, but she's not there. And he goes and just lays in that bed holds that pillow. But just doesn't have the words to pray. Do you know the groans of the heart? Those times in your life in which words just, they don't come. Not even our Father comes out of our mouth. And here's the question that maybe some of you wonder, does God hear those prayers? Does he hear those prayers? Does this Trinity have a place for God's children when they are so weak they do not know how they should pray? See, the wonderful promise of Scripture is this, yes. And the reason is because of the many roles of the Spirit. And one of his roles is to curate and translate our prayers into the presence of God. And this is the message that is found here in Romans chapter 8. And this is the message that I think some of you were brought here today to hear from God. See, we study about the Spirit. We see him at work in such power, blowing wind over the apostles on Pentecost, opening the Red Sea for Moses and everyone to pass through, the valley of bones in Ezekiel that comes to life. Why? Because of the breath of the Spirit. We see these mighty works that are recorded in Scripture. 
But could a work be ever more tender than the work he does in the hurting child? He takes our prayers, those world, wordless prayers, those prayers that we spew out words, but they don't make sense. And he intercedes for us. He intercedes. And to help us to understand this, there's just a couple of thoughts. And Paul reminds us, is reminding us of all of this. And we're going to go back up to verse 22 in Romans chapter 8. And he's reminding us of some things that are going on before he got to those verses that I read earlier. And he says this, verse 22, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saint in accordance with God's will. Let's see if we can understand this passage a little bit here today. And I want us to begin by looking at the groans of our day. The groans of our day. According to Paul, there are groans everywhere. He even says the creation has been groaning. Now, who would disagree? Even some of the things that we're seeing recently, hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, floods. It's as if the universe is in its third trimester, longing for that day to what? That longing of that day of deliverance. Not only is the creation groaning, but Paul also says, he who has the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly. And so much for that idea, if I give my heart to Jesus, that all my problems are now magically going to go away, he tells us that we groan inwardly. We can have the Holy Spirit people and yet still have struggles. Just because you might have struggles does not mean the Spirit is not with you. We can have the Spirit and yet still have struggles and have these groans inwardly. Consequently, we groan, right? The mother groans for the child. The grandparents groan for the grandkids. We all groan. Paul says we groan because we battle weakness. He says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, this word is found in the writings of Paul only three times. Once here in Romans 8, and those two other times, it actually has to do with illness. And so this, as we're reading this in Romans, it could very well be that Paul is saying here is that in times of extended illness, the Spirit helps. 
Now, who would disagree that those times of extended illness have us battling weakness? Maybe it's not a physical illness that you might be dealing with. Maybe it's a relational illness. Maybe it's a financial illness. You just, you just feel weak. And that you don't know how to pray as you ought. Maybe you can relate to, to Hezekiah. Maybe. Um, that king that is heard about and talked about. And, and maybe you can relate to what he was going through. And we find what he is saying in Isaiah chapter 38. And we, and we, we hear this in verse 14. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. Um, maybe you can relate to, to what is said in, in the book of Psalms. Um, and we see this being displayed in Psalm 38, uh, starting in verse 8. And, and we really see the psalmist saying this. He says, I am feeble and utterly crushed. He says, I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before me, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. You might be thinking, man, Bill, this is such a happy sermon. I'm glad that I tuned in today. Well, however, you know, here, here the, here's the thing. Sometimes we need to talk about the heaviness of the heart, right? Because when we pass through these times of weakness in which we don't know how to pray as we ought, we find encouragement here from Paul. He says we, he says we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Thank you, thank you, Paul, for being honest to us, right? If you don't know what to pray for, sometimes when we're in those positions, we think, well, I'm just not spiritual enough. I'm not close enough to God. God's not near me. God's not close to me. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's because of me that I don't know what to pray. Please, if that's you, please, child of God, do not take on another burden to your already burdened back. Because that is not true. Paul is saying when you cannot pray, the Spirit will pray for you. When your prayers cannot take on words, the Spirit can turn that into words for you. We do not know what to pray as we ought. Yes, it's true. We can pray. There are countless times where we just don't know how to pray. But it's not bad news. It's not bad news. The great news is this, that the Spirit does. He does know your heart. He does know those wordless prayers. And he translates them. And he intercedes on your behalf and brings them into the presence of God. Thanks to our unfailing friend, our prayers, even though they are wordless, are received in the presence of God. Here's the big deal in all of this. Here's that big idea. It's, it's, this is about the intercession of the Spirit. What, 
that's a beautiful metaphor and picture that he, he intercedes on our behalf, that the Spirit of God is our intercessor. To intercede is simply this. It's simply to stand between. It's really what it is. And he stands between us and God, and he brings our, our prayers, our cries to God. It's this idea of standing in between and to speak on behalf. See, not only does he stand in between you and God, but he speaks up on your behalf when you are unable to. And he brings that into the presence of God. Praise be to God that you have a whole, you have a spirit that is interceding for you. I remember my experience in Kenya when I went uh, for a missions trip about 14, 15 years ago. And, and I remember that experience getting there. I remember when we first landed there in Nairobi. We cleared customs and all that stuff, and we went to go find our luggage, and it wasn't there. It wasn't there. They had taken our luggage and put it somewhere else. They knew that there's this, this big group from Canada that was coming, and there was a lot of luggage, and so they kept it and said, oh, we can't find it. We must have lost it, and we tried to speak to them. The leader of our group tried to speak to them and said, listen, we know our luggage is here. And they denied that fact over and over again. And it got to the point where we kind of figured it out that really what they were looking for was a little bit of extra money. And maybe they could find our luggage. And I remember the leader of our group went and saw our local contact there in Nairobi and saw her waiting in the lineup to receive us as we were coming out of the airport. And he went up to her and said, listen, we know our luggage is here. And they're telling us we can't get to it. And she says, I got this. She went up to that, that desk and she explained the situation. And, he, and she talked to them. And she probably argued with them. She probably wasn't 100% pleasant. But she stood in between us and the airport officials. She spoke up on our behalf. She interceded on our behalf. And then all of a sudden, magically, magically, our luggage was found. See, our contact had something that we didn't at that time. She had an understanding of the culture. She had an understanding of the legal system. She had an understanding of the language and the style. And she did what she, and she had, and she had what we did not have. She knew how to get our luggage back. And she interceded on our behalf. And all of a sudden, I don't know if money was exchanged or not. Knowing her, probably not. And our luggage was given to us. And you know what? The Spirit has what we do not have as well. And it really comes down to that. See, when I was in Kenya, she had what we didn't have. And the thing, same thing can relate to our relationship with the Spirit. The Spirit has what we do not have. He knows the language of heaven. He knows the sovereign plan of God. And he knows how much heaven actually loves you. And that we are being prepared for a world we have not yet seen. And sometimes we just struggle, right? 
And out of his great kindness, he chooses to speak on our behalf. I'm not really sure how all this works. So if you are thinking about texting me or messaging me or emailing me or phoning me, I don't know how all of that works. I don't. But I trust that it is working. I trust that it does happen. And I, and I wonder. I wonder if he doesn't take our prayers and say, this is what they're trying to say. This is what they're trying to say. They, they don't understand it all. They don't yet. Their understanding is limited. It's not like ours. If they knew how to ask for, for this, they, they, would, they would have asked. But they don't know how. They don't know how to pray as they ought. So rather than abandon us in our time of need, in our time of vulnerability, the mightiest and wisest force on the planet takes up our case, takes up your case, and he brings it before the presence of the Almighty God. And he says, this is what they're saying. Now start working in it. Did you need to hear that today? Do you know what it means to groan? Do not eliminate yourself. Do not think God never hears my prayer because I've made such a mess. Listen, your groans may have come out of a place. You pray that people would never discover you in. Then that's okay. Because God loves you. That maybe when we get to heaven and find out it was those sincere, wordless prayers of the night that's what actually changed the world. Not those optimistic, beautiful, ority, beautiful, poetic prayers. But I have a feeling it's going to be those wordless groans and sighs in the middle of the night. That's what really has changed this world. And I'll close just by saying this. Don't give up, weary saint. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. When you don't have the words, that's okay. The Spirit does. When you don't have the energy, that's okay as well because the Spirit does. When you are writing out of hope, it's okay. The Spirit will pour it out upon you. And when you do not know how to pray as you ought, he does. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in your spirit to speak on our behalf, to stand up for, to stand in between us and you and, and reveal to you what we're trying to say. Thank you that you sent your spirit to be this role of intercessory in our life, that he intercedes on our behalf when we are unable to even communicate with words. So thank you that we have the opportunity to be heard by you because of the role of the Spirit in our life. I pray that we are just open ourselves, are open ourselves up, welcome and invite the working of the Spirit in our life here today. That you will begin revival in us. Lord, that change begins when change begins in me.
So change me, Lord. Flow in me, Lord. We just pray this in your name. Amen.